Shalom. This is Am Levadad Yishkon number 13. And at this point in our series, we are finally able to take all of the questions that we've been asking until now and bring it all together. In today's discussion, we'll be able to crystallize a major understanding, which will answer, I think, all of the questions we've asked until now, and will set the stage for all the elaborations that will take place over the uh, the remainder of the series. So before we get into it, let's just very quickly review everything we've discussed over the last 12 podcasts, and let's try to do it in about a minute or a minute and a half. We started by asking some fundamental questions about the nature of Am Yisrael. Simply put, we said that Am Yisrael makes no sense. The history of Am Yisrael makes no sense, and the current contemporary reality in which we exist simply cannot be explained. It doesn't make sense that we've survived throughout all of these centuries and millennia without without a land of our own and without a government of our own and without an army and with the, all these different nations that have tried to, to wipe us out. It doesn't make sense that we've been able to survive throughout all of this and certainly doesn't make sense that we've been able to bring ourselves back and reestablish our country. In fact, it's not even clear what we are. We're not exactly a nation. We're not exactly a religion. And it also doesn't make sense that wherever we go, there seems to constantly be opposition to us and even hatred. None of these things seem to make any sense. And we examined this in a little bit of detail, going through some examples from from history, and we, we left this with an open question. And then we began to open the Torah and and to read. And we saw first from Parshat Bereshit that when Hashem created the world, the Torah describes in a very schematic way that there was a purpose, there was a goal, there was a mission, that the man mankind was created in order to serve God, in order to follow God's commands. And we, we saw that initially the entire existence of the universe was conditional. Only if mankind would would do would fulfill God's command is the world to exist. And we saw that there were a number of stages, we called them plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, through through uh, Gan Eden and the expulsion from Gan Eden. We talked about the Derech Eitz Chaim, the hint that the Torah gives that the expulsion from Gan Eden is not 100% permanent and perhaps there's a way to get back. But we talked about plan B, the, the, uh, the opportunity to try to serve God in the very, very imperfect existence outside of Gan Eden. We talked about the Almost complete destruction of the world in time of Noah. In Plan C, we talked about Noah rebuilding the world. We talked about how Noah succeeded in changing the entire rules of human existence. We saw that Noah made a commitment to Hashem. I'm sorry that that Hashem made a commitment to Noah never to destroy the world again, which means a commitment that ultimately the world will have to accomplish its purpose. And then we saw. The story of Migdal Bavel and the fact that the world needed, humanity needed to be broken down into multiple nations. And then we saw the choice of Avram Avinu and the second promise. First a promise to Noah, never to destroy the world. And then a promise to Avraham that it is his descendants, a nation that will be created from him, that would lead the entire world towards the fulfillment of the mission of all of mankind, towards serving God. And we saw all of the events that needed to take place before 
it would be possible for Avraham's descendants to begin to fulfill the mission. We talked about the passing down of the heritage from Avraham through Yitzchak to Yaakov, the splitting of the family and the selection of Yitzchak over Yishmael and the other children of Avraham, and the selection of Yaakov over Esav, and Yaakov's 12 sons going down to Mitzrayim in fulfillment of the prophecy of the Brit Ben Abitarim. And we saw finally how they came out of Mitzrayim and came to Har Sinai for that dramatic moment when they were told that and over the past two um, over the past two weeks we understood how the Torah itself is the is the instruction manual for accomplishing the mission. Let's stop for a moment and think about what would have happened if Am Yisrael would have done what they were supposed to do. Am Yisrael was given the Torah at Har Sinai, and they're supposed to march from Har Sinai straight into Eretz Canaan and set up shop. And the Torah tells us what will happen. Uh, I'm reading now from Parshat Mishpatim, Parshat Mishpatim, Perak Perak Chav Gimel. This is the very end of the discussion of what took place at Har Sinai. There's a, a lengthy series of laws that seem to be part of what was given to Moshe at Har Sinai, or at least are presented in the Torah in this context. And then we come to the finalization of the Brit of the Covenant. And here the Torah tells us in Perak Chav Gimel Pasuk Chav, Hinei Anochi Sholeach Malach Lefanecha, Lishmorcha Badarech, Vilahaviacha El HaMakom Asher HaChinoti. Hashem sends I'm, says I'm sending some sort of malach, some sort of messenger before you to lead the way. You're leaving Har Sinai now and you're going to march towards Eretz Kenan and I'm sending some sort of a messenger to lead you. The people are warned that they have to follow God's word and they have to follow the commands of his messenger. Ki'im. If you listen to my messenger, some understand this as being a reference to Moshe himself. If you listen to my messenger and you follow my laws, if you do everything I say, then I, Hashem, will take care of everything else. Your enemies will then become my enemies. My malach, my messenger is going to go and f- before you and he will eradicate all the nations that are in your way. Remember we talked about how we talked about how Eretz Canaan was already inhabited. And we talked about how in Mitzrayim the people knew that they were going to have to go and conquer this land from those who already inhabited it. Hashem said, that's not going to be a problem at all. If you do what I say, if you do what I say, then my malach will go in front of you and will take care of everything. You're not going to have any problems if you do it that way. Vavadetem et Hashem alokeichem. If you do it this way, Hashem says, I'll give you lots of food and I'll give you lots of water. You'll be in good health. You'll have no problems. You'll live long life. Anyone who dares to stand up with you, stand up to you and, and, and threaten you will immediately, immediately be um be eradicated. I'm skipping a few psukim. Gvucha Plishtim Umi Midbar Adanahar 
I will give you expansive borders from one end of the land to another. You'll have no problems. And based on the uh, analysis we've seen until now, it makes perfect sense why that's the case. After all, think about it. As it were, Kaviachol, the Torah describes as if God has had backed himself into a corner. Remember, he created the world for a purpose. The world is supposed to fulfill its mission. Mankind is supposed to freely choose to follow his laws. And God made a promise to Noach, and he gave up the right, so to speak, to destroy the world. And not only that, he gave up, he made a promise to Abraham and gave up the right to choose anyone else. Abraham's descendants have to accomplish their mission. It has to happen. The entire History of the world depends on it. The entire purpose of the world depends on it. God's plan for creation depends on it. Am Yisrael must, absolutely must, fulfill its mission. And therefore Hashem says, if you do your part, I'll do mine. I'm giving you a blank check. You have nothing to worry about. All you have to do is take the Torah that you received at Har Sinai, march forward to Eretz Canaan, settle there, and set up a country, set up a society based on the laws in the Torah, the laws that we discussed over the last two weeks. If you do that, Hashem says, I'll take care of everything. You'll have no economic problems. You'll have no military problems. You'll have no health problems. You'll have no, you'll have no political problems. Everything will be taken care of. Why? Because this is what's necessary for the entire world to accomplish its goal. What's going to happen? The people are going to set up a society like that. And I'm talking about a situation where the people actually follow the Torah, where the king is the type of king that we spoke about in Sefer Dvarim, where the capital city is the Makoma Sheyivchar Hashem that the Torah spoke about in Sefer Dvarim, where the army is the type of army that the Torah spoke about, where the where the poor are taken care of the way the Torah spoke about, where the Kohanim and Leviim function the way the Torah spoke about, where the Sanhedrin and the Beit HaMikdash and all these things are functioning the way the Torah meant it to be. A society that really lives up to the term Mamlechet Kohanim V'Goy Kadosh. Imagine that we actually were such a society and imagine that society right here in Eretz Yisrael at the center of the earth, a place where all nations of the world surround us, and a place where major roads from different continents converge. Several weeks ago, we wondered why Hashem put us here, but now it becomes clear. Imagine, imagine if right here in the center of the world, there was a model society, a society where the entire country, the entire nation revolves around values of justice, not just actual justice in terms of people treating each other fairly and following laws, but also what we call social justice, where the poor are taken care of, where the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, for example, create a divinely inspired economy that that manages to be efficient and manages to be productive and at the same time make sure that the poor and the weak are taken care of a society based on holiness, a society where the capital city that at the center of it stands, the Beit HaMikdash, HaMakom HaSher Yifchar Hashem. All the other nations would come and see this and whether they like it or not, sooner or later they would have no choice but to admit this is the way it's supposed to be. This is an incredibly superior society. This is good. This is life the way it's supposed to be. And sooner or later, 
the nations of the world would admit the truth. Am Yisrael would fulfill their mission to be Kohanim, to be Mamlechet Kohanim, simply by setting an example. And ultimately, the world would come around on their own without anyone forcing them to and would decide that there's something for them to learn. And that vision that we once read in Yeshayahu, and I'd like to read it again, Yeshayahu Perek Bet, that vision would come about not as a result of some miraculous divine intervention, but as a natural human historical development. If a nation was living in Eretz Yisrael, living up to the lofty vision that we discussed in the last two weeks, a nation that developed, that, that functioned as a mamlechet koanim v'goy kadosh, then these words from Yishayahu Perek Bet would come true on their own. Hadavar asher chazai Yishayahu ben Amotz al Yehudavi Yerushalayim. Vehaya beacharit hayamim, Yishayahu sees in the distant future this scene. Nachon yihyeh har beit Hashem b'rosh ha'arim v'nisa mikvaot. The Beit HaMikdash becomes metaphorically the most, the highest mountain in the world, the place to which everyone's eyes are turned. V'naharu elav kol ha'goyim. And all the nations of the world will come streaming to Yerushalayim. V'halchu amim rabim v'yamru l'chu v'naaleh el har Hashem el Beit Elokei Yaakov v'yoreinu midrachav v'nelcha b'yorcho the people would come to Yerushalayim on their own, asking to learn from the Torah and to follow its ways simply because they see how good it is, simply because they see a society that functions in such a way, a society that is permeated with, with kindness and with justice and with holiness and with importance. And this would lead ultimately to In such a society, when the nations of the world all want to follow the same goal, when they all willingly submit to the leadership of Am Yisrael because they see us as those who can lead them to the truth, and they all want to walk on the same path. The unity that once existed, the unity that the Torah described prior to the episode of Migdal Bavel, would be restored. The whole world would be united. They won't be fighting. It would be like the, like the society that built Migdal Bavel, like the Dora Plaga, but unlike there where at the center of their society was a Migdal Viroshoba Shamayim Venaselanu Shame, Har Beit Hashem would be at the center. And this would lead to an era of peace on earth, or in other words, what later became known as Yemot HaMashiach. The coming of the Mashiach and the redemption of the entire world is to happen according to this through a very natural process, simply because everyone is going to see the truth, because Am Yisrael models it for them. That's what would happen as a natural result of a historical process, a very human process, if only Am Yisrael would follow the Torah. And therefore Hashem promised that if Am Yisrael follows the Torah, He will take care of everything else. But, what would happen if Am Yisrael, who also have free will, don't do their part? What if they go into Eretz Canaan and they conquer the land because Hashem sends His messenger before them and allows them to miraculously conquer the land? But what if they don't exactly fulfill all the mitzvot of the Torah? 
What if they become influenced by the nations of the land and start to follow other cultures or, or that which is, which is fashionable instead of influencing the, the others if they are influenced by them? Or what if they simply become complacent and lazy and don't work so hard? Or worse, what if they become corrupt? What if they become a society where there's greed, where there's, where there's, where there's, uh, infighting, where there's, uh, theft among one another, where there's immorality. What happens then? If, in such a case, this could lead to catastrophe because Hashem has placed, again, metaphorically, allegorically, Hashem has placed all of his eggs in one basket. He promised that Am Yisrael is going to be the one to accomplish this mission and he promised Noah that the world is going to, is going to succeed. But if Am Yisrael doesn't do their part, what's Hashem going to do? Well, there's one thing he can't do. He can't destroy us and replace us. He has to allow us to survive. Am Yisrael has been promised, has to be eternal. It has to be eternal. Because if Am Yisrael ever ceases to exist, then, then God's promises will remain unfulfilled and the world will remain unredeemed. And, and the world's purpose will never ever be fulfilled. So Am Yisrael has to always exist. Am Yisrael has an insurance policy. They can never be wiped out, no matter what happens. But on the other hand, that very insurance policy can cause a lot of problems. Because, because if they know that no matter what they do, they're going to be able to be uh, protected, they're, they're immune to destruction, then what's going to force them to fulfill their mission? What's going to force them to do their part in the in the to fulfill their part of the breed of the covenant and 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 fulfill that role that is so essential and is so crucial nothing less than the than the destiny of the entire world depends on Am Yisrael fulfilling the Torah and what if they don't do it so if we think about it from this point it immediately becomes clear that Hashem has to have the ability to threaten us if necessary to punish us if necessary to punish us very very severely if necessary to bring us to the brink of destruction even, without destroying it. And suddenly, the very bizarre history of our people begins to take shape. There are two places in the Torah where the entire future history of the Jewish people is laid out in advance, in very exquisite detail. These are the two passages known as the Tochacha. One at the end of the book of Vayikra, excuse me, and the other towards the end of the book of Dvarim. I'd like to look at the one in Vayikra now. And the one in Dvarim, if we have a few minutes at the end, perhaps we'll take a little peek at it. If not, um, we'll leave it for a future discussion. The exact relationship between the two passages is the subject of some dispute among the Mefarshim, both the medieval commentaries and the modern ones, whether they're talking about the same events or different ones, whether... For now, we'll just look at them as two parallel texts that give very similar messages without delving into the uh, extreme details of um, of each one and what makes them different. So I'm reading to you now from Parshat Bechukotai, the end of the book of Vayikra, Perak Chafav, Pasuk Gimel. These are the rules, if you will, the rules of history. And as we read this, I'd like you to realize that we're reading words that were written thousands of years ago by by all accounts, even those non-religious uh, and non-believing uh, scholars who who believe that the uh, Torah was actually written by people and who claim that it was written 
a, a bit later than uh, than what Jewish belief uh, suggests. Everybody acknowledges that these words were written many thousands of years ago. And what's uncanny is that you can read them like a history book. Let's take a look. Im bechukotai telechu, v'et mitzvotai tishmeru, v'asitem otam. If you follow my laws and and fulfill my mitzvot, v'natati gishmechem bi'itam, v'natna ha'aretz yivula, v'etz ha'sadeh yitain piryo. Then Hashem says, I'll make it rain, and the land will give its produce, You'll have lots of food. You'll have, you'll have so much produce that the, the people that work in the fields and have to process all of the crops will have a hard time keeping up. There'll be such an abundance. You will eat your bread and be satisfied. And you will dwell securely in your land. Vinatati shalom ba'aretz. You'll live in peace. Ushchavtem ve'ein macharid. You'll be able to sleep peacefully at night without being afraid. Vishbati chayara amin ha'aretz. And there'll be no wild animals, no natural disasters will befall you. V'cherev lo ta'avor ba'aretzichem. Never will you suffer a military invasion. You'll chase your enemies. And they'll fall down effortlessly. Even five of you will be able to chase a hundred enemies. A hundred of you can chase ten thousand enemies. You'll easily defeat any of your enemies. You'll be, have many children. You'll multiply. I'll fulfill my covenant with you. And you'll, you'll have such an abundance that you'll take away the old food, which there'll still be so much left over of it in order to make room for the new crops. I shall dwell among you. Etc. Etc. This beautiful, very, very uh, uto- utopian vision. This is what's promised to us. Im bechukotai telechu vet mitzvotai tishmeru v'asitimotam. And the reasons for that we've already explained a few minutes ago. Because if we do those mitzvot, then by definition, as a law of history, it's only a matter of time until the redemption will come. The redemption, not just of Am Yisrael, which won't need to be redeemed but the redemption of the entire world. But, what if we don't do our part of the deal? So now the Torah goes on. And this is the part where in some communities the minhag is that the Baal Korei lowers his voice and begins to read in an undertone because the next passage is nowhere near as pleasant as what we just read. In fact, it's the exact opposite. V'im lo tishmeuli. V'lo ta'asu et kol ha-mitzvot ha'ila. V'im b'chukotai tim'asu. V'im et mishpatai tig'al nafshechem. L'vilti asot et kol mitzvot ha'ila hafrechem et briti. If you don't follow my mitzvot, and if you are disgusted by them, and if you violate the covenant, afani ezezot lachem, then I'm going to break my commitments to you. And I'm going to start to punish you. Vifkadeti alechem behala et hashachefet ve'et hakadachat mechalot enayim midivot nafesh. I'll send all sorts of 
somewhat minor ailments. You're going to start to get ill. There's going to be sickness in the land. Uzratem larik zarachem v'achalu oivechem. Your enemies will maybe, uh, maybe will invade the borders a little bit and will steal some of your crops. And therefore, you're going to have some economic depression caused by some minor um, security issues. Your enemies will be able even to attack you and accomplish some of their goals. Some of you will will be some of your soldiers will fall. You're going to start to become very very nervous and scared. You're going to run even if no one is chasing you. And what's the purpose of this? The purpose is, in the scheme of things, as terrible as the things we just described are, illness, military attacks, uh, military defeats, the deaths of some soldiers, uh, economic depression as a result. These things, as terrible as they are in the, in the, in the natural and historical, in the national and historical scheme of things, these amount to somewhat of a slap on the wrist. Uh, and the goal is to get us back on track, to make us realize, hey, things aren't going as well as they used to. Uh, we must be doing something wrong, and they're meant to get us to immediately correct our ways. If we do that, Hashem promises, then we go back to the beginning of the Perak, then we're back to Imbichu Kotai Telechu, and everything is reversed immediately. The enemies uh, stop being able to affect us, and the economic prosperity returns, and everything is good again. And we're back on track. Um... But what if it doesn't work? What if we're stubborn and even when these when these types of punishments happen, we don't listen? So Vimad Ela, I'm in Pasukud Khat now. Vimad Ela Lotishmauli. If you still don't listen to me, Vyasafti Liasam, then I'm going to have to to punish you. Sheva al Khatotechem, multiple, sevenfold, much worse than what you did. I'm gonna have to punish you. Vishavarti at Gaonu Shem so that I can break your arrogance. I'll turn your, the sky above your head into iron. In other words, it's not going to rain. And the ground will be turned into copper, another form of metal. Nothing's going to grow. There's going to be a drought and a famine. Not just minor economic problems due to the fact that some of the crops were stolen, but a full-blown famine. And then, when the people are on the verge of starvation, then God hopes, certainly you'll understand, you'll recognize the error of your ways, you'll do tshuva, you'll correct yourself, you'll go back to following the mitzvot, immediately God will reverse the punishments and we'll be back on track. As long as you're fulfilling the role of Mamlechet Kohanim V'goy Kadosh, Hashem promises everything will be fine. If not, He has to bring these misfortunes in order to get us back in track. But what if we still refuse to listen? We're so stubborn that even on the verge of starvation. So then, if you, if you decide that this is just some random bad luck, it's just... It's just happenstance, and you don't see that this is God acting. Then I'm going to have to hit you even harder and punish you even more. The wild animals are going to invade. People are going to hide on their, in their homes, and the roads are going to become desolate. And the land is going to be on the verge of destruction. 
And now you're for sure going to do tshuva. But what if you don't? Then if the wild animals don't do it, then Now your country is going to be invaded. We're not talking anymore about border skirmishes. We're talking about a full-blown invasion. We're talking about Ashur. We're talking about Bavel. We're talking about Rome. We're talking about major, major empires coming in and invading the country. Full-blown invasion. You're going to have to withdraw into your cities and you're going to be put under siege. And under, in a besieged city, there's going to be disease and people are going to die of epidemic. And unfortunately, we've seen the fulfillment of these psukim in the siege of Yerushalayim before the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash and, and then the second Beit HaMikdash and before that in Shomron in the time of the Assyrian invasion, b'shivri lachem lechem, when you're going to be without any bread, va'afu Esther nashim lachmechem b'tanur echad, ve'ishivu lachmechem b'mishkal, v'achaltem velotizbao. Ten women will be able to break their, bake their bread in one oven because there's going to be so little and you're going to have to weigh the bread and ration it. Literally the country at the verge of destruction at this point, for sure, for sure, for sure you're going to do tshuva. But what if we don't? What if all of this comes true and Yerushalayim is surrounded? And what if there's a Yirmiyahu Anavi who's screaming to the people to do tshuva before it's too late? Or what if there's a Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai who's trying to get the people of Yerushalayim to end their, their, their mistaken ways and their erroneous practices and their, and their infighting before the Romans break through the gates and they're still not, they're still not changing their ways. What? What's going to happen then? At this point, there's nothing left for God to take away. He's punished us with, with illness and with economic problems, with famine, with wild animals, with, with invasion. The enemy's poised at the gates of our cities. The country's already been invaded and all that's left for the, to have, people are dying of starvation in the streets and all that's left for the enemy to do is to break through the gates and, and capture everything. And we're still not doing tshuva. What is left at that point? There's only one thing left for Hashem to do. He has to at this point bring about a society that reaches this point is, that, is, is so far gone that it needs to be destroyed and rebuilt. Sort of like what happened with Migdal Bavel. The society has to be re- destroyed down to the foundation. But Am Yisrael can never be destroyed. And therefore there has to be a way to destroy us without destroying us. And this is the reason for the exile. This is the reason for the Galut. And the Torah predicts the Galut, and with this we'll close the podcast for this week. If you still don't listen to me, now I'm going to treat you with, as if with random happenstance and with fury. You'll, you'll be in such star, uh, starvation that you're going to eat your own children. And we know that unfortunately that was also fulfilled. I'll destroy all of your false temples and all the places that you worshipped idols. And finally, comes a terrible decree. I'll lay the land waste and destroy the country. 
And all of your enemies who come into the land will destroy the land. And you, I'll scatter you. Scatter you among the nations. You'll be blown by the wind across the world. We once spoke about from Oslo to Johannesburg, from Sydney to Los Angeles. One is not supposed to end the reading of the Torah on such a depressing note. Um, and perhaps, therefore, I should not end the podcast on this note. Uh, but we are out of time. And therefore, um, don't worry, the end of the story, of course, is much, uh, is much nicer. But you'll have to wait for future, uh, future week's discussions to help carry the conversation forward. At this point, though, we've, we've, begun, we, we've reached the, the primary understanding on which we can build the rest of the discussion. Now we understand why Am Yisrael had such a bizarre history of persecution, of exile, of diaspora, and yet somehow, somehow never, never was destroyed. That's what God promised. It was foretold explicitly in the Torah that Jewish history was going to unfold exactly the way it did. And not only do we understand that that's the case, but now we understand why. This is the only way that it will be possible um, to ultimately bring Am Yisrael to the fulfillment of their mission. There's a lot more to be said, but that will, um, that will take place in future weeks. Until then, I bid you all Shalom.